and welcome to this week's message from Ed Carter, Senior Pastor at Valley Church. Catch up on recent messages and find out what's happening in the life of church by heading to valleychurch.eu or follow us on social media. Enjoy the message. Well, everybody, welcome to the message part of the service. It is so good to have you with us. Happy Easter. And if you're in the room, thanks so much for joining us. I know there's some guests and some visitors in the various rooms. It's so good to have you here. We hope and pray that, yeah, you have a great time, but always our prayers that you get a chance to encounter God. Maybe the first time or the first time in a long time. If you're online, way to go. Great to see you. Well, today is a day of celebration because it's Easter Sunday. And I guess, like many of you, you have lots of chocolate Easter eggs around your room. Ours are stacked up in our piano. And even though our, our children, I mean, our, our oldest child is now 21, but he's still getting Easter eggs and we still have a good selection of Easter eggs. And our roast is in the oven and I can't wait to eat it. It's going to be amazing. But it's a, it's a day to celebrate because we remember what happened on that first Easter day. You know, Jesus had died on the cross on Friday and he'd been buried in a tomb. But on Easter Sunday, that stone was rolled away and death could no longer hold him and out he walked alive forevermore. It's a day that we remember that he died so that our rebellion, all our wrongdoing, could be forgiven and could be taken away. We'd no longer need to feel guilty or bad and we could have a relationship with God that was perfect in every way. And it's a day to remember that because he came back to life again, that we can now live and expect to live forever, that eternal life is ours because of what he did. It is an amazing day. Well, I want to share some truths with you today, but before I do that, I just want to pray. And I particularly want to mention today, I want to pray for every single Christian that they will make some decisions today about how they're going to be. And if you're listening, perhaps you're in the room or you're watching online, if you're listening, you don't know Jesus, I'm going to pray that, that you will open up your heart and your mind and allow God to speak to you, that you may encounter maybe Jesus for the first time ever. So let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the first Easter day, that incredible day when the hold of death on mankind was physically broken and all of us could see it. Thank you so much for that day and for the hope and the joy that it gives each one of us. And Father, I pray for those of us who've met you already, help us to make some decisions today about who we are and how we're going to live in who we are. And Father, I pray for any who will listen to this, be they in the room or watching online. God, if they don't know you, if they've drifted far from you, I pray help them to open up their hearts and their minds, that you may be able to speak to them, that you may be able to, that, that they may be able to encounter you, maybe for the first time, the first time in a long time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I know some of you are taking notes, which is fantastic. I want to give you a title. Now, it's a title that we're going to really come back to at the end of the message, but put this at the top of your page or on your iPad or whatever you're using. This is the title, Close the Gate Behind You. Close the Gate Behind You. I'm a farmer's son. I live uh, out in the countryside, and we have lots of gates, and, and gates are incredibly useful. Gates keep different things in different fields. They keep things apart. And if you, if you leave a gate open, things can get a bit mixed up. But if you close the gate, then stock, sheep, whatever, keep separate. And that's the idea that, 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 that in a life, I'm going to talk about a gate right at the end of the message, that we need to keep it closed if you're going to enter into everything that God has for us. So write on some of your notes. Close the gate 
behind you. Well, as we begin, let's read some of the story of that very first Easter Sunday. And I'm going to start reading from um, John chapter 20, verse 19. John chapter 20, verse 19. John was the apostle, so this is his recollection, this is his account. It's done in third person, but this is his account of that first meeting that he and his disciples had. So, John 20, verse 9, it says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Notice there that they were so scared that the door was locked. It was bolted from the inside. It was bolted from the inside. Then Luke, he has, he kind of... really kind of, as as it were, expresses some of the feelings of the early disciples of what what happened next. So it says this, Jesus, so I mean, Luke 24, verse 36, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And then Luke recalls, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. They were like, oh my goodness. And they were shocked and amazed. And of course, they, they kind of heard rumors he might be alive, but they hadn't met him. And the, but the door was locked and he suddenly appeared. Is this a ghost? And we're dreaming. And they were scared and they were shocked and they were amazed. And well, you can imagine the emotions of like, goodness gracious me, what in the heck is going on? And, um, and, and then I just love Jesus's response. It's, it's one of those kind of gentle, kind of where's your faith gone moments that Jesus does from time to time as you read the Gospels. He says this, Jesus says to them, why are you troubled? Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your mind? And you know, we all feel like putting our hands up, don't we? Well, we saw you die on the cross. Most people don't come back to life. In fact, nobody normally comes back to life. And and that's why. Now, Jesus, Jesus knew this, but Jesus was just pushing them. You can trust in me. You don't need to doubt how often we need to hear that? Well, that's another message. And then he says, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. It's me, says Jesus. Touch me and see. And I'm pretty sure one of the disciples kind of tentatively kind of poked, poked at him. I said, nope, yep, feels real, feels physical, feels real. And then, and then he said, after he showed him the hands and feet, and, uh, but they were still struggling to believe because of the joy and amazement. So he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of broil fresh. He took it and says, look, I'm not a ghost. I can eat just like you. And he ate. And then Jesus says this in John chapter 20, verse 29. Jesus says to them in the room, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And Jesus, and then John recalls, Jesus did many other miracles and signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, wouldn't it be so cool to have been in that room? You would have been shocked and awed and amazed and blown away just as much as the early disciples was. But if you combine John's and Luke's account, there's something that these accounts show us. Something had changed in Jesus' life since the resurrection. Because before, yes, he was God, but he was man. But, but now there's something different. A locked door had no hold on him. He could, as it were, do what he wanted. He could appear and disappear in and out of the spiritual and physical realm as he wanted. I mean, how cool would that be? But things had changed because of the resurrection. In Jesus' case, he was actually being restored back to that which he was already, that he had kind of restricted himself when he became as a, 
as a baby at the very first Christmas. He was once again part of the Godhead. And do you know, when we encounter the resurrection, the resurrected Jesus for the very, very first time, things change in our life. And not a few things, almost everything changes in our life. As we accept that he died for us on our behalf because we We'd seen that we had rebelled against God, that he did that for us. As he came back to life and, and, and as we were forgiven, we, we have that eternal life given to us. Things should change in our life forever. The resurrection changed Jesus, but for us, it changes us utterly. In fact, we could say that we are restored to that which we have never been and never known before, but we're always supposed to be like. i read that again. We are restored to that which we have never been and never known before, but we're always supposed to be. The writer of Romans sums it up like this. It says this, What shall we say then? So Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? Shall we live in our old life? Shall we be forthwith? Shall we lie? Um, so that the grace may increase by no means. We die to sin, so how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were, who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was resurrected, was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And if we've been united with him like this in death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who's died has been freed from sin. So now if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died for sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives for God in the same way. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ. He's trying to say, look, when you accept the resurrection in your life, accept the gift offer of forgiveness, your old way of life has changed and you enter a brand new way of life. Something has fundamentally changed. If you love Jesus, something's fundamentally changed your life, which means that that which was has gone and you're now living in the new life. And that is huge. Now there's so many things that I could talk about, but I just want to talk about four words for you. Four words in the next 10 minutes or so about things that should have changed in your life. These four key The first one is that we are now alive. So any notes right alive. We were once spiritually dead, but we are now alive. That's what John 3.31 says, that those who believe are alive. Romans 6.23 says um, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We were spiritually dead. We had no relationship with God, no understanding of the spiritual. Though, actually, if you, if you ask most people, there is kind of just a flicker of understanding that there must be more to life than this. So even though it's not completely gone, but it's almost all gone. But now, because of what Jesus has done, his resurrection, we are spiritually alive. And we are now investing in a relationship with God who gives life to all so that we can understand him more, understand ourselves more, understand why we are alive. 
And death is no longer on our horizon, but actually death is just, as it were, a stepping stone, a carry-on in our eternal life with Jesus. I remember years and years ago, I was, I was 19, and I had, as it were, given God everything in my life. I said, God, you can do whatever you want. I'm, I'm just in no holes bar. It doesn't matter. I'll just do whatever you want me to do. And I can remember a couple of weeks later, I was, actually I was farming in those days. I was down the field looking, looking after some sheep and I was whistling away as I often was. And it dawned on me that the eternal seemed as real as the physical. The eternal. And that's that's what happens when we encounter God. Suddenly, the eternal, the spiritual, the, the godness of the world seems as real as the physical. And it is, for every Christian who's experienced it, it's an amazing, amazing revelation to know that death is gone and now life and eternity is ours. The second word is this. It's found. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells us three stories about lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. And the thing about each one of them is they were in the wrong place. The sheep had wandered off, the coin was off the, off the head necklace, and was somewhere in the house. The son was no longer at home where he should have been. He was away in a far off land doing things he shouldn't have. Each was, was lost in the wrong place, and therefore they had lost their purpose. And what Jesus was trying to say was that is how every single human being Every single human being is, every single human being is lost. They are in the wrong place. They are far away from where they should be. And because of that, they've lost their purpose and their meaning in life. And it's why so many of us have these questions. Well, why am I here? What's going on? What's the, what, what, you know, is there any point? Life? Has, has my life got more meaning? What happens after death? A whole study question. Why? Because we're lost. And we don't have these answers because these answers can be only found in Jesus. And and the resurrection helps us to go from a place of lostness into a place of being found. And it's God who comes looking for us. It's, he comes to try and find us. And when we say yes to him, suddenly life becomes more understandable. Because we can fit our life in the context of eternity, in context of God. We understand why we're here, what our purposes, what we're supposed to be doing. It helps us understand the impact that we can make in our lives. We can find our very reason for living. It's something I love. I love about Christianity. This book, if you read it, if you understand it, if you apply your mind to it, it makes sense. It makes sense. It clarifies so much of our lives. And I was brought up as a scientist. I did a, a bachelor in science and an agricultural scientific degree. And I love the fact that Christianity is logical and you can make sense of it. So write the word found down. The third word I want you to write down is holy. This idea of perfect and clean and pure, the word holy. Colossians 1 verse 21 says this, once you were alienated from God and were, were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and not move from the hope which is in the gospel. We are now holy, but once we weren't, once we were full of, of just doing wrong things, doing sin, I've never met a person, right, who has said to me, I've lived a perfect life and never hurt or harmed anybody in their life. And I know some are worse than others, but all of us, 
all of us have, have hurt each other. And all of us, at one time or other in our life, have decided that we knew better than God. In fact, for some of us, at some part of our life, we didn't even consider that God was worth consulting, and we were just doing our own thing. And the Bible says, because of that, we were condemned and we were guilty. But we don't need to stay in that place because of what Jesus has done on the cross. As we accept the resurrection, we can become holy, no longer condemned. Rather, this passage says, we can be holy without blemish and free from accusation. We can be perfect as if we'd never done anything wrong. Not that we deserve this, but it's a free gift from God. The Bible calls this free gift grace, unmerited favor in our lives. And in this process, we are set free from having to sin anymore. I, we can begin to understand and live in the sense of being holy all the time. No longer does sin need to hold us back or drag us back. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that there is always a way out of every temptation. But you see, as we're set free, and for some of you this is really, really important, we're also set free from guilt or set free from pain of what's happened in our past. So many Christians I meet feel guilty because of things they've done. Um, and, but I want to let you know that you don't need to. Jesus died to take away that guilt. You need to come back to the cross, place your guilt, whatever it is, on him. Leave it there and walk away. And the other thing, and, and this is true, I think, for all of us, that we have pain in our life and the things that people have done for us. Well, at the resurrection... At the cross, we can actually come and bring our pain and our suffering and say, Jesus, I have this thing in my life. It still hurts. And we can place it at the foot of the cross and leave it there. Now, I know it might take you a while, a lot of attempts, and you might need some people to pray with you. But I believe that we can be set free to live a holy and pure and perfect life, each and every one of us, as we come to Jesus and release everything to him. It's one of the gifts of the resurrection. He, Jesus came to make you and me holy. And I, I just love it. I know that if I bring things to God, he can take them off of me. And over the years, I've done it often, and he can do that to you today. The fourth word is this. The fourth word is this. It's blessed. It's blessed. Romans 10 verses 9 to 12. So this Romans 10 verses 9 to 12 say this. It says, When I find it, Romans 10 verse 9 says, That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew or Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all. And then it says this, And richly blesses all those who call on him. Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 11, that the good Father, the good Heavenly Father, God himself, loves to give good gifts to his children. You see, before we knew God, before the resurrection, we were kind of living in our own strength. What we kind of, the natural gifts and skills that we had, our natural relationships, the things that we could gather, but we were restricted. But now we are blessed because we're now part of God's family. We're part of his children. We have access to the throne room of God. Hebrews 10 says that we can walk up to God and we can ask him and say, God, 
please, can you help me with this? Can you give me this as I worship you and as I serve you? And God loves to give good gifts and loves to give you spiritual gifts as well as physical things. Why? Because God's a good God. And we now live in a blessed realm, an exciting realm where actually almost anything can happen. Do you know, if needed be, and you needed to appear in a room with locked doors, God can do it for you. Why? Because you now live in that spiritual realm as well as in the physical realm because that's what the resurrection does. Now these four words, alive, found, holy, and blessed, are so important for us if we're going to walk into everything that God has for us. And so my call, my hope, my prayer is for every single one of you, even those, perhaps those of you who haven't yet decided to follow Jesus, that you would live in these every single day of your lives. And I want to finish, as it were, back to my title. If you remember what it was about closing the gate. Back to my title. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus, Jesus just shares this kind of little illustration, which I want to remind us of as we finish. Matthew 7, verse 13, he says this. Enter, enter through the narrow gate, he says disciples, for, the, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter that way. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus talks about these two gates, a broad gate where most people walk down, and they live for themselves, they ignore God, and, they walk, and that leads to destruction, he says. But then there's... There's a narrow gate, a narrow gate that only features. But you can choose it. Everyone can choose it. It's open to all. There's no restrictions. And this, this path through the gate leads to life. You see, Jesus wants you and me to live this road, on this road, in life and to life. And today, I want to, to challenge If you love Jesus, I want to challenge you. As you walk through life, just close the gate behind you. Close the gate behind you. No longer live in any death. If there's any areas of your life that are deaf, hand them over to Jesus and let him breathe his new life into them. If there's any areas of your life where you feel lost, you don't know what to do, hand them over to Jesus and let him bring purpose and meaning into them. If there's any area of life where you feel guilty or fearful or there's pain or you feel condemned, hand them over to Jesus. And then live in this life of holiness. If there's any areas of your life where you feel restricted or, or where sin has, has you, bound, hand them over to Jesus and live in that blessed life. And once you've done it, close the gate behind you. Keep them separate, no longer to be part of your life. Because God, I believe, for each one of us wants us to choose to live the life that he's called us and to close the gate on the other things. And perhaps you don't know Jesus and you need to enter through that Narrowgate. Well, I'm just going to pray for us all. And after I've done that, I'm going to hand over to the MCs in the room. And Pastor Dave Scholes, our assistant pastor, is going to jump up, as it were, on your screen and just take you through a few steps so that you can connect with God, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you. It restores us back to that place that we've never known or never experienced, but how we should always should have lived. And Father, I pray for each one of us who knows you, that we may, as we enter, go through that narrow gate and enter into this, this, this amazing road of life, that you'd help us to shut the door behind on everything and never go back 
back to those things, but we would close the gate and walk into this life full of, full of blessing and, and full of hope and, and full of, full of foundness and purpose and all the other things, God, that your word talks about. Father, help us to do that on this. Help us to choose to do that on this day. And Father, I pray for any who don't know you yet, that in these next few moments as the MCs, as Pastor Dave comes to talk, God, that you would speak directly to hearts and lives. And even if they're a bit scared, they don't really know what's going on, Father, there's so much yet they don't know. Father, I pray, give them the bravery and the courage to say yes, to start a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. If you've been impacted by it and would like to respond by choosing to follow Jesus, we'd love to help you to do that. One of our pastors would love to be in touch with you. Why not email response at valleychurch.eu or head to valleychurch.eu forward slash next steps to discover more. We're so excited for your future. Be blessed.